Hi, lifers. And welcome to Because Life Can Be a Niche uh, podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome back for those of you who have been riding and doing life with us. We so appreciate you. We appreciate the support and everything that you've done as a part of this show. Um, This is a a different show. I don't have tea today. Uh, This is not a show for tea. This is a show about uh, a moment in time. And I'm going to be reading a lot. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, no sooner than we unlaced our shoes from running with Ahmaud Aubrey or reading the details of Breonna Taylor to witnessing a bird watcher in a situation that could have turned sideways um, had it not been for a cell phone. And here we are. And those are a fraction of the names. I didn't think our last episode discussing grief would come from a place of grief for all of us. And I'm in a place where I knew I couldn't speak on this alone. So I called on a few members from my sister's circle who were kind enough to be vulnerable enough to share their thoughts with us. I asked them, you know, what if you could write a letter to America and say, Dear America, or Dear son or daughter, if you're writing to your children, What would you say? So on this episode, we get a glimpse into the window of the hearts of mamas, of brown babies of all ages, all background. So today's episode, I'm going to share with you what they have to say. Um, And we're just going to get into it. I have so many to share and I'm reading them. And they are powerful. Again, I thank my sister circle for for doing this for us and for speaking to us and sharing what they're going through right now on the heels of what has happened uh, with George Floyd and what's going on in this country. So here we go. Dear America, see that boy over there? Yep, the one who can't sit still and is trying to be the class clown. He's my son, my firstborn, my mini-me. Over the past year, he has grown to be taller than me and his shoe size has gone up by three and a half sizes. He looks about three years older than he is. But here's the thing. He's only 11, almost 12. He loves Fortnite, reading, and his mama. He has a beautiful spirit, and he is a great big brother. He has an infectious smile and can charm his way out of almost any situation. Sometimes, soon, what's left of his baby face will fade away completely, and he will resemble a man. To you, he might resemble a threat. A threat because he will be a black man. A threat because he will likely top six feet tall. His father is white. He is technically biracial, and we acknowledge that. But the world will see him as black. I see him as black. His mocha skin represents the best of us to me, but may represent something else to you. I will have to teach him to dull his sparkle so that he isn't seen too showy. 
You may think he needs to be taken down a peg when he seems too proud. I'll have to teach that while he is destined for great things, he will also have to take his hoodie off at night. He will have to show respect to people who aren't showing him the same. Standing beside him is his twin brother, a boy who was once written off by teachers, but is now the student who consistently wins the math award. A boy who battles depression, but who still shows some so much empathy for others. You see, you may see him in a funk and assume he is rude and disrespectful. How dare he show emotions? He also loves video games and animals. He loves structure and rules. He sees things in a very black and white manner. Like his brother, he will grow up to be a black man in this country, a complicated man who faces more scrutiny than his peers. How do I teach these beautiful boys that the world won't see, can't see what I see? I'll always see the sweet babies they were. What do you say to your children when the world is stacked against them? When you've done everything in your power to give them a good life, but it's not enough. How do you tell them that the height they inherit from their father will be seen as intimidating? That their mocha skin puts a target on their back? That while they have never been thought to judge anyone by outside appearances, they are not given the same courtesy? That one day they may show up to pick up a date and be turned away? that they will always fit the description. How do I keep them safe while trying to make them whole? <sighs> Next one. There are so many small battles in this war we are fighting for our babies. It is so heartbreaking and overwhelming that sometimes I can only focus on the part that I with God's help can control. And that is teaching them that no matter what anyone in this world thinks of them, and no matter the value someone else may place on their lives, that their true value comes from God. That value is inherent, immutable, and immeasurable. And their only true limits in this world are those set by God. Though this belief can't stop the bullet of an idiot, it still protects. It protects their spirits and their souls from the wearing down that hate and ignorance can cause. Dear America, I am in kindergarten and I took a snack to school each day. One day I asked my dad for two snacks because I wanted one for my friend too. My older brother teased me and said, it's for her boyfriend. My dad asked me, what color is he? I responded, I don't know. I will ask him tomorrow. My family still jokes about my innocence some 40 years later. Sadly, the color of my skin still matters today. It's Memorial Day 2020, and we are enjoying my parents' vacation home on an American beach, Amelia Island, Florida. I checked Twitter to see what black Twitter has in store for me today. They keep me laughing, but not today. It's trending another unarmed black man has been killed by a white police officer. 
my heart sinks. My black son will be 14 years old in two days. His voice cracks. And there are times when I think, who's that man talking to my daughter? And I laugh because it's my baby boy. I begin to tear up. And my friends know that I am not a crier. And I wonder, can I keep him safe? Or will he be a statistic? Have I sheltered him too much? Is our neighborhood too diverse? Maybe I shouldn't have sent him to a private Christian school. And my worst thought of all, did I marry the wrong guy? Does he believe me when I tell him he can't say and do the things he sees his white friends or his white dad do? I must educate my husband too. He understands more than the average white man, but he's still white. And I see his privilege, some to my benefit and some to our son's detriment. My son and I have the talks about what black boys can't do and what to say. Our first and only rule for now is he is a minor. He is to tell anyone in authority. I would like to call my parents and then don't say another word. Silence is golden. He gets the same black child speech. Don't touch things in store you aren't going to buy. Always be respectful even when they don't deserve it. Tell them you don't know. You will need to ask my mom, etc. I constantly point out scenarios as we go about life of what he should do or look those kids are making a bad decision. He's learning in school. They always believe the white girl. Stay away from them for now. This is and was a hard one for him because of our interracial family, but he is starting to understand. In two short years, he will be driving and not under my protective thumb. Will he remember all of this when the time comes? And it will. Next, Mama. I knew it was going to be hard raising a black boy in this world from the beginning, especially being a single parent. My son is now 28 years old and is four college credits away from graduating. He is angry because on numerous occasions, he has been targeted by the police and literally he hates the police. I can remember one incident he told me about while attending SCAD in Savannah. He was walking home from attending class and the police stopped him, harassing him, questioning him. And they did not stop until he showed them his school ID. That's just one incident. There have been several. He is rebellious, such as not wanting to cut his hair because he said that is how the white man wants him to look. Oh, I tell you, I have been carrying this fear with me ever since he was born because I knew the odds were against him. I fear that the police or his peers will harm or kill him. I hate when I can't reach him or fear that I'm going to get that awful phone call. If I knew then what I know now, I probably would have made the choice to never have kids. I don't know if I have any words for this generation because times have changed and I don't understand this generation. I know they're tired. 
And they don't fight the way we fight in our generation and the generations before us. And now that my son is 28, my fear has gotten worse. At least when he was little, I could protect him. Now he is in God's hands to protect. Next, Mama. I am terrified for my sons. We try to teach them about diversity and being respectful to all people, while at the same time trying to help them understand that the same respect and love may not be shown to them because of their skin color. I've been trying to determine at what age will my cute, innocent little brown boys switch to being seen as threatening black men. We live in a predominantly white neighborhood, and I have the same concerns as most of the mothers here. Kids being safe in the streets, behaving on the bus, being good in school, but because I'm a mother of black boys, my fears are deeper. They can't act up in school because I don't want them labeled as troubled. Playing in the streets, you have to stay close to the house in case a neighbor doesn't recognize them as living here. We try not to share too much about the daily racism because we don't want them living in fear. But at the same time, we don't want to shelter them and give them a false sense of belonging. As a woman of faith, I am constantly praying for my children. It can be exhausting, but necessary. Next, Mama. Dear America, as a mother to a brown boy, I feel a fear so heavy that my own heartbeat fills my ears. It is a worry that never subsides, a feeling so desperate that I catch myself making rounds at his school so I can make eye contact with each of his teachers so that they understand just how cherished he is. They need to know that he is loved, supported, and valued by his family. They have to understand that he has a purpose and a future. Most importantly, they need to know that his mama doesn't play. My worry is so deep that at times I forget that faith is what should be carrying me and not fear. I am constantly aware that he is an endangered species. Society tells me that he is lucky to have made it this far. I watch his choice of words like I'm an English teacher, constantly clutching my pearls when slang leaves his lips. He gives me the side eye and quotes one of my old school rappers. Oh, ma, it's just a dialect that I select when I hang. He makes me want to relax, but there is so much to do to make sure he's going to be all right. He needs the right school, the right friends. And then I realize that the reason I am so tired is because I am trying to take the wheel when Jesus should be driving. I get into prayer and calm my spirit a bit. But come Monday morning, my crazy slowly starts up again just because I've read the news about somebody's child not surviving the weekend. Next, Mama. As a mother of two young 17 and 15-year-old black boys, I'm afraid for them, their future, 
afraid every time they leave the house and get in the car to go to the park to work out, to run, to play basketball. Feeling uneasy until I get the phone call or text that they made it to their destination. Praying the whole time they are gone. Only feeling better once they are back home. When Trayvon Martin was killed, they were very young, but a conversation was had about what happened. I literally told them they can't wear hoodies that they love so much as people perceive a black person wearing a simple hoodie a threat. Now that my son is driving, and even before we have had conversations on what to do if and when he gets pulled over by a cop, the thought of that literally puts me in tears. Emotional breakdown. I'm emotionally tired, but have to remain strong somehow. Next one. Here's my thought right now. Watch the video. Show your kids the video. This is real life, not a movie. Watch it. Feel it. Discuss it. Make a change. Go to school as your best. Go to restaurants as your best. Go to venues as your best. That way, they can't make excuses based on your behavior. Your previous record is spotless. There is nothing that will justify your death should you ever meet an officer Chauvin. Next one. For me, I'm working to help my boys to understand history well. Of course, that's a process, but wanting them to really get systemic racism or that they can identify some of the nuances they are experiencing during life. I'm also trying to help them rectify religion and racism. That's the tough one for us, them as believers. People hide behind Christianity, and I want them to know the word so that they can educate others about the heart of God. Of course, we talk about how they interact with authority, how to demand respect from their peers, and how to stand up for any minority group that is seen as the underdog. Next one. Mom, can I? No, no. No. My common response to my 18-year-old these days is no. For fear that he may not make it back, fear that he will be racially profiled, fear that he will be perceived suspicious and intimidating, for fear that his six-foot-two frame 18-year-old body will be mistaken as a thief or make Karen feel uncomfortable. If you're pulled over, turn your phone on. Put your hands on top of the wheel. Comply and do what they ask you to do, even if they call you the N-word. Say yes, sir, because, son, I love you, and I want you to come home. And when you're home, I can finally rest. These are tough, y'all. Some hearts of mamas talking right now. Whew. Next one. We are having lots of discussions. 
As a mom of four boys, ages 25, 22, 20, and 12, and one girl 16, not sure where to begin, but that my perspective is very different from that of my older boys, especially the 25-year-old. My 12-year-old is busy with activities and hasn't said much. I plan to do a temperature check on him. We are a house a bit divided on the matter, but my message to my children is peaceful, nonviolent protests are okay. That their voice matters and support change through the proper channels like voting, getting involved, become active in organizations that support positive change. Most important, nothing through anger Change doesn't happen overnight. You may have more, but just not right off the cuff. Be a part of the solution. All people aren't racist, but there are people that don't like, respect, or understand the differences. Next mama. Yesterday, my 12-year-old black son, my baby boy, asked me two questions. Mom, why did they let them kill him? And Mom, am I safe? I answer questions for a living. I solve problems. People refer to me as a fixer, like I'm some sort of bootleg Olivia Pope. I had no answer for my baby boy. I had nothing. This is what hopelessness feels like. My children recently lost their father, and as for me, I lost my husband and best friend. I'm a newly single mom navigating a deadly airborne virus and deadly racial disparity at the same time, and this is all on me. I need to have an answer other than not letting him out of my sight. That will work while he's 12. What about when he's 18? What about my two younger brothers, both now grown men, who are both six feet five inches tall? I answer questions for a living, but in my most important role, mommy, I have no answers. It's suffocating. I can't breathe, indeed. Next, mama. Dear Darren, Zachary, and Benjamin, you know I love each of you more than my own life. It's my love for you that makes me so afraid, so angry, so exhausted. I feel like a broken record. How many times will I have to talk to you about another senseless and unwarranted killing of a black man? How many times will I feel compelled to remind you how you must behave when and if you ever find yourself confronted by law enforcement or find yourself confronted by some random racist, male or female, who has decided that you're a threat to them somehow and how terrified I am that even if you do all the things we've taught you, there's no guarantee you'll live to see the other side of such an encounter. How do I explain to you my confusion and anguish about why you're so hated? I can't. The people who hate you don't know you. They don't know how smart, caring, and loving you are. They don't know how big your hearts are. They don't care. 
They don't care that you have the same hopes and dreams that their children have. They don't care that you're absolutely no threat to them. Zach, they don't care that you want to develop a cure for diabetes so you can cure your grandmother. Benji, they don't care that you want to be a major league baseball player so you can make sure no one lives without food or shelter. They don't care. And I hate that I'm the one telling you this, but I'm telling you so you'll be prepared. I'm telling you so you'll be able to recognize it when it happens. You'll be able to recognize the hate and push through it because you have to push through it because you must come home every day. You have no choice. You have no choice because you're worthy. You're worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You're worthy of success. You're worthy of love. You have no choice. Because if the day ever comes when you don't come home, hell hath no fury like this mother scorned. Next mama. Being a mother of a 29-year-old son, I am constantly talking to my son about racism, and it is still alive in 2020. I am constantly telling him to be aware of his surroundings and by all means obey the law. If he is ever stopped by a police officer, please comply. If given the chance before the officer pulls him over, call me or his dad and let us know the exact location. These are scary times in 2020. Once upon a time, my mom used to say, don't let the street light come on and you are not home. Well, this is not the case anymore. Day or night, you must be careful and self-conscientious about where you are and what you are doing. Most importantly, I always tell my son to know who God is and trust him. <sighs> Next, Mama. As I'm writing this, my heart is heavy, my shoulders are weighted, and emotions are running high, so high that the feeling of anxiety is consuming my body. Dear America, these are just a few emotions I feel daily when I think about what myself and millions of mothers across these United States of America who look at their warrior sons daily while the reflection of blatant racism is in their shadows. You see my son is a brilliant, has a brilliant mind who has aspirations of attending college to study engineering. He's a rising sophomore the true definition of an all-around athlete, a self-taught musician, and he's learning new languages. He's wise, creative, conscious, and understands the importance of family. I love the young man he is becoming, and I desire with all that I am to one day see him flourish into a successful black man who loves himself and everything he represents. I want to one day see him get married, have children, and grow old with his village. 
I hold him close now, protecting him from the wicked and evil ways of this world. Yes, I know it may not be the best parenting approach, but God knows, and in many ways, so does my son. I know that one day I'll have to let him go, grow, and be. Be amazing, be God-fearing, and live a long, healthy, and prosperous life, one that will enrich the world. Next, Mama. Anxiety, fear, anger, and sadness. All of these have been my emotions this week. I'm praying over my sons, checking in with my sons, both college age, to make sure they are okay. I'm buying upgraded dash cameras for their cars, teaching them different ways to respond if they are pulled over or questioned by the police. I'm teaching them to be more aware and informed than just watching what's happening, but feeling confident to express themselves. It's important to me that they are secure with who they are and that they aren't as scared as I am. I'm vocal of the fact that I'm scared for them and my husband each time they walk out the door. I'm scared that because of where they were raised, they aren't as woke about topics and have been desensitized to life issues like this that can impact their life. More than anything, I'm praying for answers and guidance but it's hard when I'm filled with disgust and anger. How do I raise my sons not to be racist, to be fair, when others raise their kids to fear mine? Next, Mama. Fair play. Wow. So what would I, or rather, what could I say to my black son or the collective black sons in this country? That message, needed as it is, is quite a mouthful in one setting. I'll share with you this antidote, which I've shared before in conversation about raising my black son. One of our most treasured annual traditions is to attend the county fair with our son. My husband, son, and I look forward to the fair. We count down the months when we can again see the lights, enjoy the rides, try to beat the odds in games of chance and luck. We look forward to indulging on foods that break every nutritional standard but are oh so tasty. We anticipate the animals on display, the energy in the air. We wonder whether the weather will have chilled by the time the fair arrives or if it will still swelter as summers do here in Georgia. Good times, these. One year, when my son was about three or four years of age, we attended the fair as usual. As night drew close and the crowds thickened, we decided it was time to head on home with our young son. Evening hours at the fair are more appealing to teenagers and young adults, couples, sweethearts, and the like. So we headed out. Our bellies were full of sugary goodness. We had the obligatory stuffed animal of some sort. We'd won the prize after multiple tries at popping balloons with darts, I'm sure. Balloon darts has been my son's favorite game. Our spirits were high, our pockets empty, and we had one more fair memory to add to our collection. As we headed toward the gates, there were two police officers at the gates protecting and serving, keeping the peace. 
They looked at us. Our son stood between my husband and I, and he grabbed each of our hands. I remember it clearly. I see it, and I can almost still recall what his small hand felt like in mine. As we neared the officers, he took that moment to jump, swing both of his legs high, and hold on tightly to our hands, trusting us to keep him from falling. And we did. As we passed the officers, one of them looked at my bright-eyed, sugar-hyper son, and his stoic face softened. His eyes lit, and he said to my son, Did you have fun? Oh, good. My son replied back, yes. My husband and I bade the officers good night and we left. But as we left, bellies full, hands sticky, clutching our son between us, my husband and I had the same thought. In a few short years, our son would probably still want to attend the fair, but not with us. He'd still want to ride, but probably with his friends or perhaps with a date. He'd still look forward to food, the games, the energy, but he'd attend it alone. That alone did not concern us. But then we considered what our son 10 years in the future would look like and what he would sound like, what he would dress like. We thought about how his body would change and how his walk might evolve. I remember looking at my son on that night and realizing that an officer's reaction to a 15-year-old Jeffrey would probably not be the same as it was on this night to five-year-old Jeffrey. And at that moment, I wanted to turn back find the officer at the gate and tell that officer to understand that I will love Jeffrey the same in 10 years as I did at that moment and that my expectation is for him and his brothers and sisters in blue to treat him with the same care at 15 as they do at five. He will still love rides. He may still overindulge in sugary foods. He may still compete against himself at the balloon dart stand. And he will still be my son and a citizen who deserves protection, not aggression. At five, Jeffrey looked at the officer and saw a hero, a guardian. Be that for him at 15 also. Seeing him then what you do now. Say to him, did you have fun? Oh, good. About to make it. We about to make it. Last mama. <laughs> Woo. My sister Circa can write, baby. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, boy. Ahmaud Aubrey's death sparked tons of conversation with the boys. They now understand what I mean of being aware of your surroundings, why I never let them walk the streets surrounding our neighborhood because not everybody knows you. The woman in Central Park sent me over the rails. My nephew is an avid bird watcher and gets lost in the park for hours. Could have easily been him, but he wouldn't have thought to video. But seeing the cop look into the camera while killing George Floyd, 
it felt like he was looking directly into my eyes while doing it. Now I'm crying again. Me too. <laughs> Woo! Uh, and now, mm, 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 y'all, it is so powerful. These are all the letters from so many mamas and so many thoughts raging through people's minds. And I did my own, be that as it may. And I hope I make it through it. So here we go. Mama, can you get me something to eat? Mom, I want snacks. Mama, can you watch me play Fortnite? All day, I hear my title ring out throughout this house. My sons, now 10 and 12, depend on me. They call on me. They request my assistance for every little thing and secretly, I love it. I love hearing my sons beckon me first. After all, I'm the first woman they'll ever love. I'm their go-to. And while I half-heartedly complain about their long, lanky frames piling into my lap or draping across my legs, I'm grateful. My spirit is quieted because they are here in my line of sight, in my arms. You can't drive yet. They're not old enough to meet up with friends at some mall or park, and I know I'm on borrowed time. It moves too quickly. Sooner than I want, my prayers will change from, please allow my son to be given the same opportunities as his friends and classmates, to please allow my sons to come home alive. Funny how primal our prayers get as they grow into the men that we're supposed to raise them to be. When they're babies, you pray for health, development, ability to socialize, that they learn to control their emotions and develop emotional intelligence. But when that lanky frame is a muscular athletic build, you know that little boy that everyone thought was so precious is now making them uncomfortable because of his height, his prowess, his royalty. As much as I want to tell them the world is their oyster, I would be irresponsible if I didn't explain that not everyone will see your brilliance, your wit, your quirks, your insecurities, your desire to just have fun, to just enjoy life and your friends and your sports and your family and your world. You see, it is your world too, son, even if some don't understand that yet. So for now, I will hug you tight, educate you, expose you, pray with you, pray for you, and teach you to pray. Teach you to know that God loves you and he loves those that don't look like you just as much. We are all his children and he sees us. That's why I'm answering the call to make this world better. In the meantime, I'm teaching you to survive, to let bravado come when you are safe 
and in a safe place and we can exercise all actionable rights throughout the proper channels. But you have to think, be smart, be a little scared so that you can be, be alive, be here, be among friends, be among family, be among loved ones. Until then, I'll hold tight and prepare you so that your world isn't rocked when the scales are tipped against you just because of the color of your skin. <sighs> Mamas, we have a heavy weight. We are all mamas. You don't have to give birth to be a mama. When George Floyd called for his mama, it pierced something in me. I heard my sons calling me. I heard George calling us. And the mamas have heard your cry. And if we could have gone through that screen and gotten to you, my dear beautiful son, we would have done everything in our power to get to you, to save you. And perhaps now we are called for such a time as this. The stage has been set. And like Esther, in my favorite verse, 414, perhaps we have come to royal position for such a time as this. We are here now at this point, and the mamas hear you. And we can't shy away, and we can't retreat. Just as David faced Goliath and Daniel faced the lions and Moses faced Pharaoh, we have to take action. We don't know what that looks like right now, but we're moving and we're not throwing our hands up and waiting for it all to work out. The world is primed and ready for the transformation that has to happen. Amazing how sheltering in place makes us pay attention and it makes us be still. And it's amazing how we're in the midst of a pandemic, yet our social conscience won't allow us to be socially distanced in the midst of this. Think about that. I believe George Floyd was calling out for his mama, but I also believe he was calling out to all mamas, whether you're registering voters, speaking, giving financial support, supporting a king or queen who's leading the charge for change, or you're leading the change yourself, you are a mama. And it is time for all mamas to answer. We hear you, son. We hear you. Oh, y'all got me fired up over here and I don't leak easy and I'm mad about it because I'm crying and I don't do that. Oh, it's time for a family meeting. Y'all get in the comments, share your thoughts, share your hearts. Tell us what you share with your children, with your sons, with your loved ones. Perhaps we have come to this place at this time during this pandemic in the midst of this chaos for such a time as this. Thank you for doing life with us. 
lifers we love you get in the comments follow on social media at katie bryant writes follow on youtube if you're watching this now you're watching the channel subscribe it's free oh let's have a conversation y'all got my makeup oh my lord thank you mamas for sharing your hearts with me i love you i love us and i know that we can do better and we will we will do better we are here for such a time as this be good and i'll see you when i see you